uh, they you know say we are not affiliated with any 12-step program this right. is just you know we're we're doing this on our own behalf there's no proceeds that we're not taking any money from this like okay. there's a little spiel um just so that everybody knows you know we're only sharing our experience strength and hope So what's going on these, these days? Alex, what's it like working from home? Oh, I love it. You love it? I sent out a picture to Abiel of me working from home the other day. Ooh, <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of me completely naked with just the headset on, and everything's blocked, obviously. But I sent him a picture. I'm like, working from home, baby. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. My brother thought it was funny too. But... Well, it is funny. Um, I love working from home. For whatever reason, the day seems to go by easier and smoother. Um, you know, I'm it, it, I'm grateful that not to sound like corny or anything, but I'm just grateful to have a job. I'm grateful to be Absolutely. able to to work from home and to be able to take calls and you know everything else and. I, I kind of hit a breaking point a little bit because, I mean, every single call, and I mean it genuinely, like, you know, I, I do, when I say this, I do mean it, but it just, by the end of the day, I'm kind of tired of saying it, where it's like, I, I really hope that everybody in your inner circle is doing okay, and everyone's being safe, and you have to go through that compassionate section, you know, where it's like, it, it I can't I can't fake compassion, I have to be compassionate or, or not be compassionate, so... You know, when I'm saying this, I, I do end up, you know, emotionally going through feelings of like genuine care. And, and every now and then you'll get the person that's like, don't tell me that. You don't care. You just want my money and that type of thing. And it, it stings. But I have, you know, l working at home seems to let it go a little bit quicker, you know? Good. Are you finding people to be more or less irritable or the same? It's the same. People are just, I, I okay. think that they're un. Like a lot of people, I think their concern mainly is what's going on. So instead of it being directed at the company I work for or, or the situation, it's more the unspoken panic. Like they don't have to tell me that, you know, their job's at risk. I already know, you know, so mm -hmm. let's let's get past that section and try to see what we can resolve as far as the issue. You know, I get to be the hero a little bit. You know, I get to be there for people, you know. That's a nice thing to be able to do. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And no, instead of it being adversarial, which it normally can be, it it really is a it's it's a different tone. Yeah, I and for me, it's kind of I don't know I, I appreciate I appreciate the fact that people are calling up looking for help, and you know when everything you're able to help. Yeah, exactly. Because I want to help anyway. I mean, the reality is, as like I said, I can't fake being kind. So I have to, you know, get myself mentally prepared and mentally motivated to be compassionate and kind. And, and then I forget that I got myself mentally prepared to be compassionate and kind. So then I kind of lie, trick myself into being compassionate and kind. And then when I get my feelings hurt because I come up against someone who just isn't accepting the kindness or compassion, <laughs> I, I, get, I get hurt forgetting that I had kind of tricked myself to get into this mind state anyway. So it's just nice to kind of just be compassionate and kind and, and to be helpful. And if it works, it works. If not, it's okay. You're always welcome to come back, you know? Maybe Absolutely. I should just be like that all the time. I don't know. 
Absolutely. Maybe it can be going forward. You never know. Yeah. Okay. But Abby as of L- now, sorry. What, what, how's, how's your business going with people's attitudes and tones? Um, attitudes and tones are good. Um, half of our business is revolves around home services and generating leads and verifying leads for people that are wanting to do, you know, get new roofs and install solar panels. So this week we saw about a 30% reduction in, in demand. Obviously, you know, wow. com- companies aren't, are, are watching how they're spending their marketing dollars. Right. So, but we're launching a new home security campaign on Monday. So we think that should <laughs> give us a big lift mm-hmm. with people's, you know, people's concerns, thinking about security and how to keep their assets and their, their lives safe. Mm-hmm. Well, Alice, Alice is doing that with her business and, uh, She's developing teleseminars and she's doing blast emails and setting up conference calls and uh, she's being very proactive. Working from home, we've rearranged her office and uh, she bought some furniture online that we we had delivered, uh, not from a store store, but from just a person who was selling something. And they came by and delivered it and we're putting it in her office today and uh, it's like command central. She's got all of her electrical devices, her TV, uh, her phone, and she can communicate with anybody. Uh, and she's also signing up for one of the motivational seminars that she always has done because she said it's just good for her to be around people who are motivated and who are taking action. So it, it inspires her to do more. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It really is. Uh, my clients have, have chosen discontinue talking to me until they can do it face-to-face. They don't find the value as great on the phone as they do face-to-face. So I'm suspended for the time being. So my job now is to uh, go shopping with a mask and gloves on and uh, buy all the junk food Alice likes. (laughs) And Executive co-producer. That's correct, but the executive co-producer stays out of her way. Um... She, it's you know it, it's just an interesting time uh i mean we had yesterday i got a call from my downstairs neighbor uh i sometimes forget that i'm attached and and the downstairs neighbor says i have a leak in my ceiling and it's your fault and i said well okay uh let me check around and i'll call you back and i check around and there's not a, a wet spot in my house not under any sink on a toilet not the, not the washing machine and there's just no wet spots and i call her back and she says well i have a hole in my ceiling and 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 i call them the next thing i do is i get a call from the management company and the management company tells me that it's not something that i would be able to see but it's happened to about 12 other unit owners over the last number of years. And, and, and he reassured her that I did not do this and I wouldn't know that it was going on, but I needed to call a plumber. So call this guy and he comes over like within 30 seconds. And it was a wax ring that goes under your toilet in the hole under your toilet into the, into the sewer line. And, and that wax ring had eroded and was gone. So I learned something new yesterday, that, that you just don't flush the toilet. Sometimes you got to take it apart to find out 
if the parts underneath it are doing what they're supposed to be doing, because if they're not, they'll cause holes in somebody else's ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you so responsible to... for to fix the hole in her ceiling, too? Well, I don't know. We haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Uh, my belief is the Homeowners Association insurance should cover that. Yep. Uh, but I don't know that yet. And, and, and all I know is I repaired it. And uh, he's coming back next Tuesday to change a, a toilet in the master bedroom. Uh, but, you know, the things that you don't know are going to happen, happen. And luckily, you know, she was home. It's not like she was away on vacation, came back and found out that her whole house had caved in. Right. Uh, you know, we were home, so we were able to respond to it quickly. Uh, we were able to find somebody to come and do it quickly and act responsibly. Um strange time with the things that we're required to, to do and, and have the option to do that we normally wouldn't. Interesting. So that's Sounds my like an exciting week. Oh, it's been a terribly exciting week. I'll be, I can't tell you how much fun it's been. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, so I saw an article about like grief, right? Like the things that like the kind of the unspoken emotion that a lot of people may be feeling right now is 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 the like the different stages of grief and loss and things because it says the article was from um Harvard or something. I got forwarded mm-hmm. to me. I could forward it to you, Mitch, but I was just thinking with your background and stuff if if you felt that there were any similarities to that and if we spoke about that a little bit. Well, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. But but it's true. I mean, part of me has spent very, very small amounts of time. But but I've said, you know, geez, I'm going to be 72. Is this how I'm going to have to live my life for the foreseeable future? You know, these are my golden years, as they like to call them. Uh, So part of me is feeling a sense of loss that I can't go out and play golf and I can't go out and interact with people in, in a room and I can't hug and I can't handshake and I can't, I mean, there's a lot of things I can't do that I normally love to do. Uh, so I, I am relegated to using social media to communicate or using the telephone or using this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But absolutely, there's a sense of loss. There's a sense of loss of intimacy. Alice and I, you know, we have to be very careful about touching because she was in New York. And, uh, you know, she's still in that, that cone of, of possible in, infection. Uh, so we maintain our distance. We communicate via text. Uh, it's, it's strange. You know, so loss and, and grief are an absolute part of this. There's no question about it. And it's, it's a new field of study. Uh, and when I put something on, on my blog and I put something on Facebook earlier in the week, that if anybody needs to talk, you know, free of charge, please call me. Um, you know, I'm not looking to, to, to make money off people at this time. I'm looking to provide service. So, you know, of course, nobody called, um, <laughs> which, which doesn't surprise me. No, it, it would really take a lot of courage for someone to pick up the phone and, and sit there and be really, like, hey, really Mitch. Would. Also, I don't think, I'll, like, I didn't realize some of the terms. Like, I, I've heard of the term anticipatory anxiety, and I completely get that because I'm anxious about what's going to happen. But this is kind of like a super anticipatory loss because I don't even know. My brain hasn't wrapped itself around the the 
immensity of what this is. Like if it's as big as my fear says it is, um, or if it, you know, is is manageable. I have no idea because there's no understanding of where the bottom is yet. You know what I mean? But no, psychologically, the brain never wants to embrace the worst case scenario. I mean, the the human response is not to embrace it. It's not to look at the fact that, that, you know, 15% of the people that are getting the virus in the United States are dying, whereas in the rest of the world, it's it's less than five or six percent. Yeah, I I don't want I don't want to consider that. I want to I don't want to consider that my money is going to run out. Mm-hmm. I, I, all I'm going to have is my social security check. I don't want to consider that. I don't want to consider that the next time I go shopping with three masks on and, and four boots and 17 hoods and 12 gloves that I'm going to get infected and die. Uh, you know, it's, it's, that's not the way I think, but do I think that way? Sure I do. Mm-hmm. And that's, you see, that's the balance that probably in the article or, or in my experience professionally is to allow myself to know that that can happen, but to remind myself that it's not happening now. That I always need to remember what's going on now, because that's the only thing I can respond to. If somebody told me that 93% of the people in Broward County were going to be infected and die, I would not be able to prevent that from happening. I would not be able to say, well, I'm going to do this and that's going to preclude me from being part of the 93%. I'm going to be 7% that don't get it. I wouldn't know what to do to prevent that from happening. Anticipatory anxiety is a very real emotion. I mean, am I, am, are you going to lose your job? How valuable am I in the position I'm in and how, what kind of seniority do I have if they start laying people off? These are real things. That's not, that's not unhealthy thinking. The unhealthy thinking part comes when I obsess over it, and that's all I do is think about it all day. Mm-hmm. But honoring it by, by acknowledging it is a healthy stimulus. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very healthy response to the fact that these are real things that are happening. And, and I need to acknowledge reality not make believe it's not coming. So I think the, you know, that you read the article is great and that you're bringing it up is great. Uh, for anybody listening, you know, we, we've talked about this the last few weeks, wherever you are and however you're processing that is the right way for you. Yeah. And I think it's good that, you know, in, when we start off, at least when I start off with a 7am meeting and then I've actually been doing two a day and I finish with a 6pm meeting, it, it, gives me the ability to share my feelings, share my emotions, share my thoughts, my fears, my concerns, my joys, my successes for the day. And I stay plugged in. I read all sorts of news media. So it's not just CNN and Fox. It's who and other you know channels that are available to us just to stay updated and educated and know that 98% of the people that do get this, at least that have gotten it in the United States, aren't dying from it. It is probably running in, you know, three out of four people might currently have it or will get it. But what can we do to stay, you know, to stay updated, to stay knowledgeable, I think is it total, is in my control today. So for today, I make the right decisions to not, you know, overexpose myself, to keep my family home safe. When I do go out, like this morning, I stopped at Wawa to pick up some breakfast on the way to the nap time. I had my gloves on, my mask on. I go in, pick the things I pick up, throw away my gloves and 
that's going to be a part of my everyday living for the next, you know, unforeseen, or at least for the unforeseeable future. Well, that's correct. But at least that, you know, I know that I'm doing my part and, you know, keeping my house of the, my side of the street clean. And that's all I can do. I can't control what the rest of society does. I can't, you know, take over everybody else's will. And although I have my judgment and I have my thoughts, but it, I don't resonate them. I don't sit there and dwell upon them. I'm, you know, I, well, I think them. I sometimes say them. I'll share them with others, and then I, I move on. That's the correct response. Honoring them and, and acknowledging that they're real is how I cope with it. It's real. I mean, whatever's going on with this virus, which I don't comprehend scientifically, I comprehend emotionally. It's real. I have a kid and a, and a daughter-in-law in New York. She's going to work every day. Uh, he's not. I mean, the courts have shut down, so he's at home working out of the house. Uh, but do I worry about them? Sure, I worry about them. My future daughter-in-law sent me a picture. Her office is at Rock Rockefeller Center in Midtown Manhattan, and, and Radio City Music Hall is right across the street. It's right. She looks out her window. And she sent me a picture. There was not one person on the street in the middle of the day at Rockefeller Center and Radio City Music Hall. The, the sidewalks were absolutely empty. There wasn't a car. There wasn't a person. There wasn't a vagrant, a hobo, a bum. There, I mean, there was nobody out there. It's like a movie. I am legend. Oh, it's like a movie. And, and when I was growing up, there was a movie. and It was about San Francisco and how there was a nuclear fallout. And, and there was one person left. Was it on black and white TV on Channel yes, 2 or 5? that was five? black and white, yes. Okay. Is that the Twilight Zone episode where he finds all the books and then his glasses break? I don't believe so. I believe <laughs> it really was a movie, but I'll look for the Twilight episode. It's a great episode of Twilight Zone. Okay. No, but the point was, I've never seen Radio City Musical. This is not like it was the middle of the night. Right. Where, where people are home and there's nobody on the street. This was the middle of the day, and it was, it was absolutely nobody. It's surreal. Now, did she send yeah, that to I, but, you directly? But that's why what you're bringing up is so important. That that when, when you look at a picture like that, that evokes a feeling inside you of anticipatory anxiety. Now, did, it's she, almost like, did she it's send almost you like the picture directly, me. Mitch? I'm sorry? Did she send you that picture, like, directly from her phone to your phone? Yes. Well, so when you when you say that, and again, this is now the other side of me now that I've been connected to, is like, wow, that's awesome. You have a great relationship with your future daughter-in-law that she is actually, first of all, you have her number. She's sending you messages. Yeah. And, we're, uh, we're in touch constantly. It's that's great. a beautiful thing. That's awesome. It is a beautiful. No, it, you see, that's the balance, Abiel. Yeah, for sure. Then I, I look at the picture of the vacant street and it and creates anticipatory anxiety, but then I look at the gratitude I have for the fact that my kid has a fiancé who, who I adore. That's that's okay, amazing. and who adores us and and stays in touch with us on a regular basis, and you know, but that's the bounce. But I need to acknowledge that looking at that scene does evoke some concern. Yep, it's like wow. I mean, I go out here in Broward County. There's people all over the place. Yeah, I mean, there's just no place I've gone that has been empty. No parking lot has been empty. No store has been empty. No, no gas station has been empty. Here's Radio City Music Hall, one of the premier hotspots in the world as, a, as, a, as, a, and as an attraction, and there is not a soul on the street in Manhattan. 
that's that that's that's that evoked a real feeling in me being a native New Yorker and knowing how many people are normally on that street. And now there was nobody. And that's, that's, so you're bringing up this topic is really timely. It, it, it's very important that people acknowledge this is real. And, I, and I'm going to have feelings I've never had before. I'm going to have thoughts I've never had before. I'm going to be concerned about things I've never been concerned about before. And that's healthy. And the important thing is to find somebody to talk to about it. Not a th- I don't mean a therapist in that sense. Just like Abiel said, he, you know, he, he uses meetings to share what he's feeling, and he uses phone calls with me, with you, with other people to share what he's feeling. Uh, you know, I, I called him the other day, and I said, by the way, I need to let you know that your brother just celebrated his 10th anniversary and his job on LinkedIn. <laughs> and Caesar's been dead for, two, for a year and a half. Okay, but there he was in a shirt and tie. That was that's really freaked me out seeing Caesar in a shirt and tie. Okay, but but that evoked feelings. You know, it's there's nothing going on now that does not have an emotional component. Yep. So thanks so for, thank the, you that, for that's actually a reminder because April fifth would be two years. Well, there you go. Mm. I mean, so I mean, it's I wasn't sure of the exact time, but I knew it was more than a year, and I didn't know it was that close to two years, but. Yep. It's, I mean, seeing that brought up, wow, you know, time's going by. Here I am. There he is. He's not here anymore, but I still have feelings for him. And I'm still grieving him. I'm still, I still miss him. Um, and, and yet I felt okay calling Abiel and saying, this is what I saw. And, you know, it wasn't that I was trying to hide it from him. I mean, this is a time where anybody that can ought to be picking up a phone and talking to somebody because everything that you're describing in that article is real. Well, it's interesting that you're describing the Rockefeller Center and I'm focused on the desolate streets and then Abiel's pivoting into the relationship and how that, you know, you're getting a picture from your future daughter-in-law. Right. And so do you have any tips or any? strategies that you use to kind of stay on that positive side of things or to try to see the seed of equivalent value in in each of these situations or is it something that time just shows you or is it inspirational how does that work it probably works in all the ways you just just, thank you he's just summarized it (laughs) okay no but i'm not being facetious when i say that because given it all the moments that occur during the day each moment can require me to use a different skill there's not one thing that I do. My, my pattern, and, and, and Abiel and I always talk about this, is that I always look at what is going on right now and what can I do right now. There's always something I can do, whether it's to journal and write about what I can't do, whether it's to call somebody and share about my powerlessness, whether it's to pray, whether it's to meditate whether it's to get up and clean something in the house that I've cleaned 14 times today, but it's just, there's a little spike of dust somewhere. I'm going to clean it again. Uh, There's, there's always something I can do to stay ahead of the negative thinking. Yeah. But I I have to, but I have to do it, Alex. I can't, I can't think my way into positivity. I get what you mean, Mitch, because I I have had like small 
lightning, I call them like lightning resentments that come in because I'll be on the phone with somebody that's talking about how they're not going to the rooms anymore because of what's going on. And then the next day I'll get a text saying the fucking room is open and I'm here, you know, I'm here. <laughs> and it's like, it's a resentment more for like, dude, you just wasted all my time to talk to you about this shit. And it's again, here I am like thinking that you're actually seeking advice or just wanting to talk or wanting an ear and uh, now when the phone rings, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm not going to answer because I'm, you know, I, I get on these texts, you know, saying the room's still open and I remove myself from the group because I've already made the decision that I am not leaving my house. Coconut Creek went on a shelter in place order like two days ago. Too fucking late, dude. I've been on a shelter in place order for three weeks. You know what I mean? That, so, see, that was the point, Alex, that Broward County had issued an order. But I'm doing it. It's not just that the trusted service said. You know, no, but it, it irritates me when I see these texts come in and stuff saying like, you know, da, 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 da. you know, it's just like, dude, not for nothing. Like if you're not smart enough to figure out that this is major shit and that <laughs> the world is telling you to maybe stay inside or or whatever, then that's on you. But I just like stop clogging up my airways with it. You know, I agree. I just I'm getting and this is that other part of grief, right, which is the anger. I'm starting to get like irritated because here I am feeling like I'm pulling my weight. I'm doing what I what I need to do. I'm protecting myself and I'm doing it as the best I can. I don't have a mask and gloves, but I'm also not going out to Publix at two o'clock in the afternoon or five thirty at night when everybody's there. I'm not huddle I'm not hovering over everybody. And guess what? I could still catch this damn thing. So I don't know. All I'm doing is the best I can do. And then to you know to to see a cell phone map of like Florida and it's lit up showing you how many like how many people are still traveling or how many people are still out and about doing their thing. Um, you know, it, it, it is, it is frustrating because it's like, dude, I, I just, I'm just trying to take care of myself and I'm trying to be socially conscious, but I don't want to hear it. If you get sick, I don't want to hear it. If, if all this well, other stuff I, I happens. Think, and know? I think we learned that from, at least I have like, it's like having someone that's, uh, that asks you to sponsor them or someone who's calling you and saying, yeah, I don't feel like drinking today, and you spend 15, 20 minutes with, you know, some of the things, the experience, strength, and hope, and not drinking, mm -hmm. and then they call you the next morning, and like, yeah, I drank yesterday, but I'm going to drink again this morning. You're like, all right, listen, you obviously <laughs> have no desire. I'm just the soundboard. Just call me when you're really, really ready to not yeah. drink, because if you're drinking every morning and then calling me after the fact <laughs> because you have because of feeling of guilt, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be that soundboard. And the seven a the seven a.m. morning phone call is great because it gives me an opportunity to, you know, sh talk about my disease, and it gives me an opportunity to share where I'm at. But I I just you know at the end of the day, it's you know the five stages of grief, and I don't know what they are specifically in order. But two days ago, I was like, I really feel like I'm at the acceptance part, and then yesterday, I was like, forget everybody, I hate everyone, and today I'm just kind of like. I'm just tired, you know? So I guess I'm just going through the different st stages. Oh, they're very real, okay? I mean, it's the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So if you're in acceptance... You're doing pretty well, Alex. But I heard they were like not. It, I mean, they're in that order, but you can feel them at different times. They they come in different. You know, they're not like sequential, right? 
Oh, no, you have to. If you don't feel them in the order that they're giving you, then, then you're not really. <laughs> yes, Alex. Oh, okay. That, I got nervous there for a minute. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Wait, can you repeat those again? Would you like me to? Yeah, please. Seriously. Okay, hold on one second. Oh, see, now you. Now I, he's double checking. Now you impress me. Now you. Now <laughs> I thought you had those memorized. You're just reading. I believe, I believe Mitch knows what he's talking about, Abiel. Denial. Anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You need me to repeat them again? Denial, anger. Bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Got it. Now, there are other people that say there are seven stages of grief. And they add to denial the word shock where you have numbed disbelief. Then they have pain and guilt. Yeah, I remember reading, I remember going through all of those stages. Uh, well, people do. I lost my dad. I think it's great. You see, I think the point of this is that when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the psychologist who first developed the five stages of grief, she did that in the 1950s. We've learned a whole lot more about grief over the last 60 or 70 years, okay? And, and what I think has come out is that there's no right or wrong way to grieve. I mean, I remember when I used to say, tell that to people in, in this, when I was in the cemetery and funeral business. And how often would you hear that somebody would say, well, she lost her husband seven months ago. She ought to be back out and she ought to be doing this and he ought to be doing that. And I learned that there's no timetable. Yep. It's an incredibly intimate, personal experience when you lose somebody or something of such value. People lose a pet. And everybody says, well, just go out and get another dog. It, it doesn't replace the feelings that you have about the dog that you had to put down. You may get another dog and you may love that dog and play with that dog and laugh and have fun. But you still have feelings about the dog you had to put down. And that's the thing about the stages of grief, that we revisit them as we're going through them. So even when you get to acceptance, you're still going to have anger. You're still going to have denial. You're still going to have bargaining. You're still going to have you're still going to have all of the feelings related to all of the stages. There's no it doesn't mean that once once you're done with one stage, you pass through it and you say, OK, I'm finished with that. I mean, you know, in terms of your own sobriety. You've done work on the steps. You've worked, used the steps. You've, you've done work on, on certain parts of your life. And you say, well, okay, I did it. I'm done. And then a year later, guess what? It reemerges. Yeah. Because we're not done. All right? We may put it into a room inside our psyche and close the door and say, okay, for the time being, I'm okay with that. And then one day the door just opens. It finds its way back out. Yeah. And it finds its way back out because something happens in my life that evokes that feeling. And it may not be directly related to the event that, that happened. It may just be an event that triggers a thought or a feeling about something that I've already thought I did work on that I hadn't done work on. Or that's, that I needed to do more work on. That's so true because I've had, um, I can even, that happens with memories too. Like you can, like I've smelled a smell. Where I'm like, oh my god, this is like walking into my buddy Mike's house, you know? Or like, I heard yeah. a song that reminds me of something, and and um, for me, there was something that came back on my fifth step that it's like it came back because I just got tired of fighting it, 
You know, like I, yeah. I knew it was there and I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a living amends and everything's great and I don't have to worry about it. And then one day I just, I, it kept, I kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And finally I'm like, I got to do something about this because I'm tired of carrying it around. I'm tired of thinking about it, you know. But. And you know what, Alex? No matter what you do about it and how hard you work on it, it's going to come back again at some point. Yeah. The, it, diff- the difference is that as it comes back, it comes back with less intensity. Mm-hmm. It comes back with, see, and this gets back to what we were talking about earlier, okay? It comes back with the knowledge that I've done work. I've learned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't have to go back there. You see, when you talk about how to be positive or negative, this is the good example. That when something reemerges, you've already done work, so you can say, wait a second. Before I run this up the flagpole, like I've never seen this before, let me go back into my inventory right. and see that I've done this, this, and this. I've healed this, this, and this. I've spoken to the following people. I've taken the following action. And what I'm having now is a human experience. That my life, as I have known it, is going to reappear at different times in different ways. And I need to remember that it doesn't have to go back to ground zero. That's that is something that happened to me, and I, I think I might have told you about this when my when my cousin sent me a picture of my mom's tombstone. Yeah, and I remember looking at it on my phone, and I remember feeling sad. And then, like a few minutes, like a second or two later, I I looked at it. And I was like, wait a minute, am I? And I'm sitting at work in the middle of a phone call when this picture comes through, and I hadn't seen her tombstone since like '91, right? So right. then I'm like. Am I making myself feel bad because I feel I think that I'm supposed to feel bad because it's my mom's tombstone? Like, I'm not saying it's good that she passed away, but that was in 1991 and it's like 2016 or 17. You know, I've had some time to work on it internally. And and I, you know, I feel, you know, my feelings with my mom are my feelings with my mom, you know. So looking at a a piece of cement that's got her name on it as, as, as and what it represents, it is what it is. But I remember looking at it and having like that moment of clarity where I'm like, I'm making myself feel sad because I think I'm supposed to feel sad when I see a picture of my mom's tombstone. As opposed that, to just being like, oh, wow, it's my mom's tombstone. You that, know, that's not her. That's just a symbol of, you know. So that's again, and, and this is after many years of working on the stuff with my mom. But it's just like I get what you're saying. Like these thoughts that come up in my head, um, I look at it like a faded Polaroid picture. Like the thoughts still pop up, but I don't have to act on them. I don't have to use them as a driving force to go and throw away my sobriety. I think Abigail wants to say something. Well, that that's just it. No, okay, I mean that, that's the point of being positive and negative. That that as long as I can always remember that that, that I'm just having a moment in time. Right. Okay. You know, it's it, and, and, and one of the most valuable things I learned early in my recovery was I can't go from positive, from negative to positive. No human being can just turn off the negative spout and turn on the positive spout. I can only go from less negative to less negative to less negative to less negative. And then I would hit neutral. And when I hit neutral, I became teachable that I could consider something with a positive attitude. Although I've discovered a little secret that helps me go from immediate negativity to immediate positivity, and it's called chocolate and Reese's. <laughs> 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 
So when I really feel shitty, I just pick up, go into my secret storage, and I feel happy immediately. Now that, now where is the secret storage? Correct. <laughs> but that, in, in, that's the truth, though. But that, but you know, eight years ago, that that immediate feeling of gratification used to come from a bottle of freaking alcohol. Yep. And that's, that's the beauty, correct. the beauty of uh, my physical and spiritual sobriety, is that I, as I keep accumulating the days and the hours i i can now deal with those feelings of anger depression resentment and all the stages of grief all the stages of happiness and guess what it feels fucking amazing mm-hmm. I, I, I remember when i when i lost my brother and and mitch you asked me do you do you have any desire to use or or, or drink right now and and i said no this is and I said, I feel so numb now. There is no drug or alcohol that has ever made me feel this way. And on one side, I was enjoying the fact that I'm connecting with it. And on the other side, I, I had no desire because I was so in tune with my that feeling of hurt and pain that I knew it was going to go away. It was almost like when you stub your toe or you bump your knee, you're like, ah, shit, it hurts so bad, but I know it's going to go away. I know it's going to go away. And 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 that's how I felt that moment. But I only, and I only can do that is because I'm physically and mentally sober. Because it would have been really easy to go out and get high, get drunk, after the fact, and it would just would have temporarily band-aided that emotion and feeling. And I wouldn't have had the purity of really feeling that grief. It would have been diluted with with alcohol. So the fact that I was sober, physically and spiritually, really made me gave me the ability to really be in touch with those feelings, be in touch with the the healing aspect of it without any other substances. And that, to me, I hold very sacred because it prepared me for when my dad passed away. It's like, all right, here we go again. Let me buckle in my, you know, let me strap in and, and just be prepared for this roller coaster that's going to happen. And without uh-huh. me having to destroy other people's lives and take other people down with me, which I would have done, if I was, you know, drinking or using. You probably wouldn't. I mean, I'm just jumping in here, but I, I can see, like, if I was going through that experience and I decided to start drinking, I would, that whole feelings of the loss would be then supplemented with the the guilt and the shame and all that other stuff. So it's like selfishly, I'm, you know, taking that experience and then turning it all back into me anyway, you know? It's yeah. just... Just listening as an outsider, it's just it's yep. very encouraging. That's why I like, that's why I love this program and and the fellowship because, you know, there's going to be a day that I experience loss and and I'm hearing that there's an option. I don't need to sit there and throw it all away and with everything that's going on, I don't have to say fuck it and let me go get trashed, you know, and and that's going to fix it because I'm just I'm grateful to be here today. <laughs> Well, you know, and you know, Abiel, it's interesting. What I remember from the experience when Caesar died was when you called me one day, wondering whether or not the grief you were feeling was normal, and the feelings you were feeling were normal. And we had a very long, fruitful conversation about being a human being. Yep. And 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 I remember how that helped you know that there was nothing you were going to feel that was ever wrong. That it was all going to be appropriate and healthy to feel it, express it, know it, and either hold on to it or let go of it as you choose to. 
Yeah, I remember that was the anger phase I was in for a minute. That that's correct. That moment, whatever. And you were questioning whether or not that was appropriate. Yep. Okay. Um, so, and I need to remember at all times the humanity, the humanness of my experience, uh, because it's it's once I forget that I'm in trouble. There's nothing I feel. See, only somebody outside of me who doesn't want to hear what I have to share or disagrees with me is going to tell me that that's a wrong feeling. There's no such thing as a wrong feeling. Whatever I feel is what I feel. I mean, I don't need need you to tell me it's right or wrong. I need you to just listen to me and honor it. Okay. And, And that's, that's the best I can do. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, what, what did I see? Um, where is it? Hold on. While you search for that. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, while you search for that, I was going to say that's that experience and that discussion that we had, I keep in my emergency, my spiritual emergency medical kit that I go to when I need it. And that is right next to the other, um, the other discussion lesson experience, whatever you want to call it, where you're like, did you ever get angry at God? And we'll have to add that to a future nap time. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, have you ever said F you God? I was like, and I remember like, oh, like I stayed quiet for a moment. And I was like, no, of course not. I can never say that. <laughs> and, I was like, and I still haven't been able to quite say the F you, the full word, but I've gotten pretty close and I've gotten angry and, and I love that um, that exercise because you're right. If God is is loving and tolerant, and we're and we preach that to each other, why can't I be angry at times? Why can't I be upset at him or at her or whatever my you know my higher power right. is, the God of my understanding is? I agree. And it, and it was such a powerful uh, experience and lesson that you know I've applied to my life because it gives me the ability to accept. Um, again, my higher power and that there's going to be others around me that are, you know, angry and full of shit and, you know, all the other feelings that go there along you with go. it. But it just makes it real. It does. See, I found what I was looking for. Being a sponsor to another alcoholic doesn't mean I know more than another. It means that I am willing to share what I do know. Yeah. And that's then that's what we're talking about is when somebody feels something. You know, it's like when I was in the cemetery business and, and people used to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And it was like, fuck you. What do you mean you're so sorry for my loss? What do you begin to comprehend about my loss? How do you know that I'm not thrilled the person died, that I hated their guts? And I learned that when people say those kinds of things, they're making it so they're saying it's for them to feel better about themselves. Because they're not doing a damn thing for the person who just suffered the loss of a loved one. Okay, when people say, if you need anything, don't hesitate to call me. And then people call and you go, well, oh, I didn't know you meant that. I can't do that. All right, so, you know, being a sponsor to another alcoholic just means that I'm willing to share my experience. If it works for you, terrific. If it doesn't work for you, you'll find another person whose experience does. No harm, no foul. And it took me a long time to accept the fact that my message <clears throat> helps some people and hurts others. 
I have no doubt that over the years, something I've said is, has, has been used by somebody else as a reason to get, get loaded. Just as I have no doubt that the things I've shared over the years have kept people from taking a drink. Doesn't make me better in one situation and worse in the other. Because all I have is my experience to share. If it works for you, terrific. If it doesn't work for you, move on. Take what you need and disregard the rest. All right. So we've uh, got now the next two weeks of uh, subjects. Sponsorship okay, now I like and the then one, the higher like the relationship. The third week is how to get into the cemetery business. <laughs> <laughs> People are dying to get in the cemetery business. Whoa. Oh, No, that was Alex. That was Alex. People are dying to get in. Yeah, I know. Okay. No, but I really like the conversation of next week, if we can, about about anger at at God. That's a great conversation. Was that the same? Com- was that the same topic you were thinking, Apio? Because me and Apio were just like, "Whoa, whoa okay." I'm gonna bring uh, okay, Father terrific. John oh, no, to, to bless that I, meeting I, I, before I, I, we get started. You said that a few minutes. No, ago. I did. I did. I, I think messing. that's a great. I, that's a I great, think that's a great topic. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I mean, and if we find another topic, we'll find another topic. But that's a really good topic because it takes a long time. It took me a long time to learn that I could be angry at the God of my understanding. That I really could look at the skies and yell, "Fuck you." And know that I wasn't going to be loved one ounce less by whatever that power is. One of the things that I always have in my head is like I was talking to um, Dennis from Alaska one night and we were both talking about like God and everything. I'm like, how great would it be like when I die, if I end up going to heaven and I'm like, did I did I do everything I needed to do? And he just like shrugs his shoulders and like, come on in. You know, like I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't watching for that. You know what I mean? Like It's just like. I don't know. There's there's a little bit of freedom in that in that thought, you know. Like it'd be Morgan Freeman sitting up there, like I don't know, just come on in. I don't know. I just want you to listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> That's funny. That's um, funny. Well, what else? Well, I I know that three weeks ago, March seventh, at our first discussion of COVID. I just wanted to drop. We were at 345 cases, um, and this week, Saturday, we are we've broken a hundred thousand. All so. right, stop with the positive news, Abiel. <laughs> stop with the positive news. But on the flip side, has only been about not only, but you know, 1.5 percent of those have resulted in deaths. So, I think it's just again staying, following what's being suggested, being safe, and support your nurses and doctors. People, stay home. Yes, absolutely. And now, my, my wife, sur- and my wife my is a nurse, so it's been, it's been a very trying. Was, Sorry, go ahead. I, I was supposed to have eye surgery on April 8th, and, and they canceled it. Did they reschedule so, to tell you when they were going to have it again? They or? said they will. They put me on a priority list, and when they start doing that type of surgery again, they'll notify me. How do you feel about that? I feel absolutely okay because the surgeon herself is okay okay all right that that the the growth i have which is a basal cell carcinoma which is the lightest form of cancer that you can have is external growth on my eye Mm -hmm. and it's been there for like six or seven years and it hasn't grown it's not growing into the eye and she said you know it needs to be removed but continue to take the medicine i gave you and use the ointment i gave you and when we get to it we'll get to it but don't worry, it's not going to get worse. Awesome. And I'm okay with that. 
part of me was really, see, it's, it's funny how we all think the way we think. Part of me was really excited about it because now I didn't have to sit down and fill out all the forms they had, they had, <laughs> they had sent to me, which I hate doing. I hate doing because right. it involves me understanding technology and finding a scanner and then an email and, and it just overwhelms me. Okay. So I said, well, right. I don't have to fill out any forms. All right. This was good. Uh, and, but now, you know, she told me certain vitamins not to take because it had vitamins, certain things I take had vitamin E right. and vitamin things out, thins out your blood. So now I can go back onto my multiples and take my daily regimen and I don't have to actually look at each bottle to see what's in it before I put it in my dish for the morning. Uh, but I really am okay with it. It was, it was almost going to be an intrusion on my space because it was going to put me into an environment I couldn't control. It was going to have people touching me that I couldn't stop from touching me. Uh, so if I can't have it done now, that's fine. Uh, you know, it'll be done when it gets done. And, 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 you know, that's okay. So I can still see out both eyes and uh, I'm planning on being able to do that for a long time to come. Uh, I've got a printer scanner it, when it comes time to filling out the forms. You can come over here and we'll knock it out together. Hey, thank you. We do it all right here in the office. <laughs> I'm like, put your you. face on the scanner, Mitch. Put your face Alex. on the scanner. We'll send I them a picture. Give, that's correct. Send them a picture. Uh, I did that once with a, with a handprint on a Xerox machine. And, <laughs> and, and, and right, it tell was the like, truth. We know it was your butt cheeks. It was, it was <laughs> like, it was like, it was like a Rorschach test. Okay, when people looked at it, it was like this black image with lines and creases, and um, they wanted to know, you know, like, like what was that? I said, that was my hand on a, on a Xerox machine. That's funny. Uh, but, you know, the reality is that as soon as I fill them out, Alice has a scanner here in the house. She can scan them. She Perfect. can send them to her assistant in the office. Her assistant can email it for me. I mean, all of the solutions are there. It's right there. It's, it's, it's right there, and I know it's right there, but I still go into the panic of filling out all these forms and getting the information right and then having to look here for this card and look there for that card. I just don't want to be bothered. So when they called to cancel the surgery, I said, good. And she said to me, good? I said, well, what am I going to tell you, bad? I said, if the surgeon is telling me it's okay to have the surgery deferred, I'm not going to argue with you. She said, I wish other people would call with that attitude. <laughs> You and should that, have flipped it on her and said, really? I filled out all these damn forms already. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all sitting there work. with, like, coffees, like your coffee cups just sitting on them all, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. A cat's laying on them. No, it's true. So, you know, for the time being, I'm not having it. And that's one of the consequences of what's going on in, in the real world. So I accept what's going on in the real world. They're not doing that kind of surgery right now, so I'm not going. It's okay. I have one anyway. more, one last thing to add. Go ahead. We've almost reached the 55-minute mark. Yeah. Abiel and I have like eight wins on Warzone now. Just putting it out there. For <laughs> Wonderful. You know, we, Wonderful. We, we, yeah, we had to plug Activision and Warzone. We may have a ninth one today. We'll find out. All right. I'm proud of you both. <laughs> okay. Man, GB4. Thank you so much for jumping on, man. And 
Oh, thank you. And thanks for doing this. And next week, I think what we're going to try to do is get a Zoom, like I was saying, is we'll try to get a Zoom and get other people in and see if anybody else wants to participate, you know, but. Just keep me posted. I'm there. Absolutely, man. All right, Mitch, have a great week. All right, this is Abiel. I have one quick thing to say on the way out. What's that? See if this works. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody. All right, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.